We're back in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 7. And the reason I went back there is we had gone through Samuel and the life of David and talked about that for some time. And, and, um, and then I was looking at that. I said, you know, there's an important, uh, important passage that we just kind of skipped over. So I wanted to go back and pick that up. And then, then the rest of the summer we'll be doing something differently altogether. 1 Samuel chapter 7. And the verse I want to focus in upon is verse 12. So if you have your Bibles open, we'll take a look at that. And as always, we stand together for the reading of God's Word. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shem. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, hitherto, King James says, the Lord has helped us. Amen. Lord bless the reading of scripture. You may be seated. So when we think of Ebenezer, we think of who? Scrooge. Yeah, our minds go right to the Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge, but that's not where we're going this morning. Uh, this, this, is a, this is a marvelous thing that's uh, given to us in scripture here. There's a lot of churches that are named Ebenezer. You know that. There's an Ebenezer Baptist Church down in uh, Detroit. There's, they're, they're all over the country. Ebenezer, the most famous church, the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. And this church was founded in 1886. We were founded in like, what is it, 1860-something? So we're a little bit before this church. But this was about two decades after the Civil War that this church was founded and the selection of the name Ebenezer, which means stone of help, stone of help, comes from 1 Samuel 7 here. And it was profoundly prophetic because for this church, it attained a very unique history in the United States, in the struggle for freedom for all oppressed people. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., was a member of this church, was brought up in this church, nurtured by Ebenezer Baptist Church. And uh, so this is a, this is a, a, a very uh, prominent church in America. I'd shared with you last week that one of the great black preachers of our time, which is one of my favorite reads, really, was Reverend Dr. Garner Taylor. I have about eight of his books that I read, and I read them faithfully. I enjoyed his wisdom. I enjoy his journey of faith that he puts into his books. And one of the books, he talks about a conversation that he had with uh, Dr. Albert Einstein. And I'm going to kind of quote what he's saying here. He says, Dr. Einstein was dressed in a faded old blue sweatshirt and sneakers. He had been sitting for a portrait in bronze or something like that. Our talk, mostly his really, in reply to my youthful questions, and finally, I spoke to him about faith, remembering that Dr. Einstein was once known as one who did not believe in a personal God. I reminded Dr. Einstein that every scientist performs acts of faith each day. He exercises faith that on the foundations of yesterday, things that have occurred yesterday. Water, he says, for example, being two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, is true today. And Einstein, he says, smiled and said that he understood what I meant 
but he was not prepared to follow that train of thought to say that a personal presence was behind that reliability, the capacity to build each day on yesterday's experience. He agreed with the premise, but not the conclusion of divine oversights. But it is true. If life is to make sense, yesterday's experience must have something to say to today's living, how we live our lives today. What happened to us yesterday is important. And young people, you need to remember this. You need to remember this. Um, We gain confidence today by yesterday, by what happened yesterday. Sad indeed is our human plight if we have to start off each day proving everything as if we had no experience yesterday. It's sad if we have to test fire to see if something burns as it did yesterday. You know, it kind of reminds me of the movie Groundhog Day, right? They go over and, oh, you know, you got to do it again, you got to do it again, you got to do it again. Churchill was the one that made that famous statement. He says, those that fail to learn the lessons of history are doomed to repeat them. And that's true. That's true. I remember when I was uh, younger, just a kid, and we always went to a cabin up in uh, northern Wisconsin. And we went up there every year, and we stayed for a while. And it was in, uh, if you cross the border from Wisconsin and Michigan, where Marinette Menominee is, you go across there. Uh, Krivitz is where we would be, which is a little west of there, maybe about 40 miles west of that border. And that's where we would go, and we would go every year to this little town called Krivitz, and that's where we were on, actually two lakes. We were on a cottage on a hill between two lakes, and uh, we looked forward to going there. But me and my brothers and sisters, every year we would have different things that we would do. And one of the things that we did was there was this long road, winding road that led up to the cabin, and along that road on each side there was raspberry bushes. And we loved to pick raspberries, and so Beverly and Judy and you know, whoever would go that morning, we'd take off down the road and we'd uh, start to gather these uh, raspberries and, uh, that, on this road that led away from our cottage. Uh, there was a place down the road where there was a fire lookout. These were all over northern Michigan. And there was a fire lookout, and I think they're blocked now. You can't go up in them. These, these kids are up in them. But we used to be able to climb up there. It was open. You could just climb up there and look around. And uh, this is about 45 minutes down the road from our our cottage. And we would climb up this thing, huffing and puffing, and got to the top, sweating all the way. And the reward, the reward was we'd get to the top, we'd look around, we'd see everything, all the sights, the hills, the lakes, the winding road. We could look back and see the cottage on the top of the hill that we came from and see these things. And the view of what God had created was, remember, I was a city boy. I grew up in Chicago. I mean, we had streets and houses and stuff, you know. So when I got up there and I was looking around at all this, this was different stuff to me. And all the, all the beauty of God's creation. And you could look down and you could see where you came from and where you had to go to go back and all that. Ebenezer was like the top of that lookout for me. When he talks about Ebenezer in Scripture, stopping, looking around, seeing God's handiwork, the faithfulness of God, and being thankful for what he's done in our lives. Seeing all that he's blessed you with, and he's blessed us with so much, so much. Um, 
remembering where you have been, remember where he's taking you, what had happened, and the things that are going on now in your life. If the truth were told, we'd have to admit to being forgetful at times about God and what he's done. Not about a grocery list, you know, not, not that, not about taking out the garbage, but real stuff, consequential stuff that happens in our lives. Psalms 103 tells us, that don't forget all of his benefits. Don't forget what you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given us life and breath and health and strength and all of those things. He's provided us with forgiveness, clean consciousness. He's cleaned our minds up. He's provided us with, with, with the promises of eternal life. I mean, there's so much that he's given to us. Hope in the midst of death. We've just got done singing about that. Our lives have purpose. Our lives have meaning because of what the Lord has done in our lives. And the Bible says that everything, even that which is difficult, the, the, the difficult things, the, 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 what we would call the bad things in our life, work together for good to those who love God. Even those things, God takes them and begins to weave a purpose to them. Even the worst tragedies don't have to go to waste because we serve a powerful, we serve a loving God who can bring something beautiful out of ashes. Bring something beautiful. Ah, but we forget. We forget. We lose sight, we lose hope, we lose faith many times. And we go about our daily existence forgetting all the wonderful things that God has done. No wonder over and over and over in the Bible, someone builds an altar. Someone builds an altar of stones from Noah to Moses, from Jacob to Elijah. For the purpose of remembering God, they build an altar. Remembering what God's done for them. One stone upon another laid carefully to withstand the elements of time, to serve as a reminder to generations that God has been kind, that God has been good to us. We need more Ebenezers. Life gets tough, and we forget. We forget. We need things like refrigerator magnets, you know, so at night when we're going to get, or in the morning we get up and go to get the orange juice, that we, we have a little thing that reminds us that the Lord is our shepherd, right? Just little things that we need. Bookmarks in our books that we're reading, a, a favorite reading material to remind us that God will never leave us. He will never forsake. Just reminders of who God is. We need the company of other people in our lives, the, the church families that we come together throughout this this area and around the states and around the world, the family coming together. We need people in our lives who love Jesus, who care about the Lord Jesus Christ to remind us that we're not on this journey by ourselves. We're just not alone. This explains why we have so many things like gravestones. You know, fasten seatbelt lights in our vehicles to cause us to remember simple things. Cause us to remember if you hold up your hand, even your hand, you have a wedding ring that causes you to remember the love and the commitment that was made. Samuel's Ebenezer served the same purpose 
Years later, people would look at those stones, that, that altar, and be reminded of God's faithfulness to them, and they would stop and thank the Lord and be faithful. Thank you, Lord, for watching over us. Thank you, Lord, for your help and for your care. Thank you, Lord, that you did not abandon us to our enemies. That's why we have the cross. The cross is an Ebenezer. The cross is a symbol to remind us of who we were, where we're going, who made it happen, and how he did it. It's a reminder. The cross is more than a nice piece of jewelry to wear. It's an Ebenezer. It's a stone of help, reminding us of what someone did for us to set us free. It's an Ebenezer. This is the truth that lies behind our text this morning as we look at that. This passage describes a moment of deliverance, a time when Samuel was judged, he was ruler over Israel. And following a very notable victory, Samuel took a stone and he placed it as a memorial between two cities, between Shin and Mizpah, to mark God's deliverance. He had inscribed on that stone of remembrance the words that are on many cornerstones of many churches across our country. Hitherto, thus far, has the Lord helped us. Has the Lord helped us. And behind these words lies stories, lessons for all of us. The Lord has helped. Well, how has he helped us? How has he done that? And there's stories that people can tell about this church, this church, the history of other churches. There's stories that have been told. Chapter 7 tells us about it, but it must be seen against the backdrop of what's happened to them in their lives. Do you know that for, if, if, you're, if you know anything about what's going on here in history, for 20 years, they had suffered a tremendous defeat at this place called Ebenezer 20 years earlier. It was, it was a stinging defeat. And they had been in this war for 20 years. It's been going on. And they were distraught. And here we find the Israelites in a long, drawn-out war. The people were, were growing tired. They were losing hearts. And chapter 7 tells us that Israel had once gone into this battle with the same nasty Philistines, you know, same people, and were humiliated, suffered a terrible defeat. And this was a national sorrow. National sorrow. Thus Samuel's words. Thus far has the Lord helped us. Behind every worthy spiritual victory lies, more times than not, many defeats, many difficulties in life that we go through. A famous surgeon was congratulated on his amazing skill, and they asked him how he felt about it. And this is what he said, and it makes sense. He said, I can't forget all the lives lost while learning my skill. I can't forget. God's victories come by ways of our defeats. This is a hard lesson. We want victory. We want victory. We want victory. Not, we don't want the trial. We don't want the testing. And, and I can look around this room even now. I know the testing. I know what's happening in people's lives. I know the heartaches. I know the hurts that we have. 
I, I wonder if I could just stop this morning and speak to somebody. Um, if you've come here today and your, your nerves are raw and you're tired and you're pushed and you're tossed, so much so that you don't know what's going to happen next in your life, or what's going to happen if you feel at the end of your rope or defeated or discouraged or depressed by, by i got a word for you. I've got a word for you. Have you ever thought that maybe God has brought you down in order to pick you up? If you don't know which way to turn, i got a plan. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. That's all I got. I'm, I'm serious. In my life, that's all I got. That's all I got. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Listen, the Lord may have brought you to where you are in order to get hold of your life. This morning, get hold of your life. God's star shines brightest in the darkest night, right? I was, I was out on my deck the other evening. It was, uh, it was dusk, and I had just watered the grass, so there was some mist that was coming up from the ground. And I looked out, and I saw, well, I haven't seen all summer, but I saw a light flicker. And then I saw another little light flicker, another little light flicker, and another one. And I said, ah, lightning bugs, lightning bugs. But you know what happened, right? I just saw them at dusk. And then I went out about an hour later, and they were everywhere. And lights everywhere. Because you, you see them in the darkest night. The darkest of night. And the little fire bugs, they were just all over, glowing and, and flickering. And jewelers put their best stones on black velvet for you to look at. The Lord can bring you out. He can bring you up. He can bring you through. Life and the difficulties of life. The Lord says in Isaiah 45, 22, Look to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and besides me there is no other. There is no other. There is no other. Samuel told the people of Israel at their great battle with the Philistines how to defeat the enemy. For 20 years, they'd eaten the, the bread of defeat. For 20 years, they had no sign of God's presence with them. And Samuel, if you look down at verse 3, 7th chapter, verse 3, if you have your Bibles open, he says, here's how you return to God. He says, put away the strange gods and return to the Lord with all your hearts. There it is again. Turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord with all your hearts. No better message can ever be uttered to people who are bruised and defeated and struck down in life and are going through difficult times. Return to the Lord with all your hearts. And then look at verse 4. They did. They put away the false gods. They turned to the Lord. They confessed their transgression, saying, we have sinned against the Lord. I think this is a good message for America today. We have sinned against the Lord. And the people were afraid... It's only a fool who's never afraid, really. They said to Samuel, look at verse 8. Cease, Samuel, you're, 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 the, you're the guy. 
Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us. There's another ingredient for victory in life. We need so much to have somebody praying for us. We need people praying for us. We need someone talking to God on our behalf. All of us do. All of us. Many of us would not lie in saying that we've had mothers and fathers, right? We've had people in our lives, grandparents, others that have prayed and prayed us back to God. So the Lord goes into action. Verse 10. Verse 10. It says, As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But Yahweh thundered with a great thunder on that day on the Philistines and confused them. They were struck down before Israel. The enemies are destroyed. The people of God are delivered. And that day in Israel, Samuel puts up this stone between Shin and Mizpah and calls it Ebenezer. So, we gain confidence today by what happened yesterday. And young people, when you look at some of these snowy heads that are in the sanctuary, there's a lot of wisdom there. There's a lot of wisdom there. There's a lot of experience there. There's a lot of faithfulness to God there that we need to take advantage of. Uh, and when I was young, I can remember arguing with my dad when I, when I got too big for my britches, you know, theologically. And I would argue with him, and my dad would just simply say, Thomas. I never liked it when he said Thomas. <laughs> he said, Thomas, you just don't know. You just don't know. Yeah, what do you mean I don't know? I graduated from college. You don't know. Because there's some things life teaches you. You know, some things days and nights and tears teach you and struggles that not only peoples go through but nations go through and communities go through that teach you. And we draw close to the Lord. Whenever God's people came to a hard place and the enemies seemed to overrun them, they would go back to Ebenezer and say, hitherto has the Lord helped us. He's been here for us. This is what David did in his life. You remember David? He's talking, he was going to go out and fight Goliath, right? And Saul comes and says, you can't fight that. You can't fight that guy. I mean, look at the guy. He's mammoth. And you can't do that. And so David's thinking this out in his mind. And he knows he's no match for this giant Goliath. So David says in the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel 34, he says, he says, I remember. I remember. When I watched my father's sheep, one day a lion came into the fold and I was all alone. That day, I slew the lion, snatched the lamb out of his mouth. Another day a bear came, threatened the sheep and the Lord helped me kill the bear. That same God. You see, here's where history plays. That same God who delivered me from the lion, delivered me from the bear, will deliver me from Goliath. You have any Ebenezer's in your past where God's been faithful, God's been good? If the Lord has helped you in the past, isn't it a fair guess? Isn't a reasonable faith 
a safe assumption that he'll help you today, that he'll help you in the future. Can you say what he did yesterday, he can do for me today? Yes, and he can do it tomorrow. He can do it tomorrow. We don't know what the future holds, but we know God who brought us up so far in this journey. And he's been with us so far. We don't know how far we have to go. But we do know, and we're going to sing this, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. It was grace that brought me safe thus far. Grace will lead me home. We believe that. We believe that. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I got, I got my own issues in my family. But I know the Lord has blessed my life. I know he's been there in the past. I know he's walked with me when I thought I was all alone. I know. I know it. Hitherto, thus far, the Lord has helped me. The Lord has helped me. Helped me when I was down and out. Helped me through school. Helped me when there were things happening around me that I didn't understand. Helped me when I couldn't see the way through. How is this going to change tomorrow? Thus far, he's been with me. And there's something else I want you to see just before we close here. And, and, and I... I I hesitate to move off of this theme, but I want to. Um, This is one of the massive things in Christianity that that just pops up there in Scripture. And I thought, well, this is something else. And it speaks to all of us, really. And we we see this illustrated for us in in chapter 7, if you drop down to verse 15 and 17. It says this. Samuel's done with this. He's, done, he's put, his, put his altar up and whatnot. He says, Samuel continued as judge over Israel all the days of his life. From year to year, he went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah, judging Israel in all those places. But he always went back to Ramah, where his home was. And there he also judged Israel. And he built an altar there in Ramah to the Lord. Samuel has just led Israel through a dramatic time in returning to God, the whole nation returning to God. The people responded to his leadership. They repented of their idolatry. They put their trust in the Lord. God delivers them. They set up a stone as a marker, the progress. This must have been a mountaintop experience for the nation of Israel. The experience of Samuel. And Samuel's excited by all of this. And he's probably thinking, wow, God, you're awesome. You're awesome. How exciting. What do you have for me next? Well, what God had for him next was the daily routine of judging Israel. Year after year, Samuel went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal and Mizpah, judging the people of Israel He would finish the circuit. He'd go back home to Ramah, and then he'd start all over again. Bethel, Gilgal, Mizpah, Ramah. Bethel, 
Gilgal, Mizbah, Ramah. Judge the people. Start again. Bethel, Gilgal, Mizbah, Ramah. Mountaintop experiences are great, but nobody lives on the mountain. It's one thing to serve God in the dramatic moments of life. It's another thing to serve him day after day after day after day in the daily routines of our lives. I, when, for, for me, I call this church minutia. There's, there's the preaching and the things that are fun, and then there's the minutia of the church that you deal with all the time. Church minutia. You've you got, you got your own stuff going on. This is just, just me talking. But that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. Get up each morning, read my Bible, and I sit on the front porch, say my prayers, pray for the congregation, for the people of God, go to work or to school or wherever it is you are in that stage of life, love the people that God has placed around you, care for the people that God's placed around you, do your job, go back home, love my family, care for my family, love my neighbors, love my church, Try to do everything to the glory of God in life. Get up the next morning. Do it again. Stay faithful. I think that's so powerful. He did what God called again and again. Stayed faithful again and again. It's not always exciting to grow as a Christian. But it's worth it. You, you have no idea. You don't know my life. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's the only thing, you know, I, I, let me go. I, I like that song. Come now, fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy, right? Never ceasing. Streams of mercy will come. And from that will come the shouts of praise. And it's what God has called us to do every day, every day. The Israelites waited 20 years from the time they got back, the ark back before they returned, 20 years before they returned to God. I'm sure they didn't intend to wait that long. But years have a way of slipping by. Nobody ever says, I'll, I'll wait till next year to come back to God. No, they just say not today, right? Not today. And after a while, all those not todays begin to add up to weeks and to months and to years. Not today. Not today. And the grace of God continues. Has the Lord been faithful to you in your past? Been faithful to you in your life? There's a song by a group called Point of Grace, a bunch of ladies that sang it. It was good, but I loved it. It was entitled, Jesus Will Still Be There. Perhaps you've heard it. But I'll just, let me just read it to you, and I want to close. Things change. Plans fail. You look for love on a grander scale. Storms rise, hopes fade. and you place your bets on another day. When the going gets tough, when the ride's too rough, when you're just not sure enough, Jesus will still be there. 
His love will never change. Sure as the steady rain, Jesus will still be there when no one else is true. He'll still be loving you. He'll still be loving you. When it looks like you've lost it all and you haven't got a prayer, Jesus will still be there. Perhaps you've drifted away from God. How long has it been? How long has it been? It's time to come home. Time to come home. Time to return to the Lord. And I will say this before we, we close in this thing. If you're here and you haven't received Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I give you the opportunity this morning to come to him, to come to the Lord. If you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you, you can say no, maybe next year, but I'm telling you, accept him today. Accept him today. It's time to say, here I raise my Ebenezer, my stone of help. Come on. Grace will lead you home. Grace will take you home. So think about that as we start to sing. If you have uh, that need in your life, you can come talk to me. I, I'd, be, I'd, I'd love to talk to you, talk to one of our elders. Talk to me before you leave the church today. Come to the Lord. Let's stand together. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to gather together. And Father, as, as always, we, we, we pray not just for this congregation, but we pray for this community and this state and, and the people of God that are worshiping that the experiences they have would draw them ever closer to you. And that's our heart and that's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.